How many of y'all know this means war? Come on. High five of your neighbors say this means war. Come on, this means war. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you that spiritual warfare didn't start with your neighbor that you don't like. Spiritual warfare didn't start with your boss. Amen. Spiritual warfare didn't start with a color barrier. Amen. Spiritual warfare didn't start uh, with your brother. Come on, Cain and Abel. We still have Cain and Abel's on this earth. Amen. Spiritual warfare started in heaven. It started in heaven. We're going to go right to Revelation 12. Amen. I'll give an introduction later. Amen. We're going to go right to Revelation 12. Here we go. I'm going to prove to you that it started in heaven, not on this earth. Here it is. Then a war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. Watch this in the military. Amen. Oh, let me finish. And then the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who Leads the whole who? The whole world. That leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And his angels with him. Keep going to verse 12. He's got it. Let's give God praise for our sound guys in the back and the guy who does this. Amen. I'm going to read it for you while he's catching up. Amen. Therefore, somebody shout therefore. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Come on, that's you. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great anger or wrath because he knows that he has a short time. He knows he has a short time. So I asked the church, why is it that the devil knows that he has a short time on this earth, but the church believes that we have all the time in the world? God said, go ye and not sit ye. Did he not say that? Now, as, as I was growing up in the church, yeah, I grew up in the Assemblies of God church, and... So we plant churches around the world and did a lot of church planting. And so one of the things that I had to do as a lay, uh, a lay person in the church is b- before they had these chairs, I mean, they had pews, right? And do you know why they call them pews? I'll tell you why, because they stink. People sit in them all day long and do nothing. Things happen while they're sitting. Use your imagination. Amen. So things happen and they call them pews. So guess what? Being another deacon, we're responsible for cleaning the pews. <laughs> so we got firsthand knowledge of what a pew smelled like, right? And so it was exciting in my early, early years. But God told us to go ye and not sit ye unto all the earth and all the world and do what? Preach the gospel and then do what? Baptize him in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He told us to go. But yet we have omitted what God has called us to do. Amen. For that alone, we all need to repent. Amen. 
We all just need to repent. Because we see people on a daily basis who need help and we talk about them. We look at them in different, as they're different. We see people with tattoos all over their bodies and we're like, ugh. They have t- we see people with their pants pulled down and ugh, ugh. And we see people who use language that we don't normally hear. And what's wrong with these young people? No, 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 no. That's who God has called us to. Amen? For God so love who? He did not say for God so love Christians. Don't get it twisted. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God has called us to everybody. And I'm wondering why the churches are not filled today, because we try to put God in the box. We try to act like Jonah. You know, we hate people that God loves. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know I'm preaching good. Amen. We hate people that God loves. He loves them, Jonah. Go up there. I need a voice. I need a preacher to go up there and preach the gospel, to preach this good news. I already prepped their hearts, Jonah, and he knew it, didn't he, Pastor? He didn't want to go, so God took him on a nice little ride in the belly of a big fish, right? And that brother was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll go. Yeah, and and the people got saved. Amen? So God has called us to reach the world, but yet the devil knows without a shadow of a doubt his appointed time he's a fallen angel we have this book we have the knowledge of God we've got the Holy Spirit we've got the word we've got a nice pastor who's who's a shepherd and and he's teaching the word every week and 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 yet we still believe that we've got a lot of time and yet we don't you don't perhaps I had a passion to long before I started preaching the gospel because I saw death after death where I used to work as a trooper. I'm a retired state trooper in Maryland. Okay. And so to see a death, I investigated a death every week, a little child, a baby, an elderly person, this person, that person, or my partners investigated one every week. And it was, it was bad. It was so bad. I had to go to counseling and things like that. Right. So, but it's like, wow, Lord, I didn't even have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And then it hit home when my my partner, uh, Raymond Armstead, I just had uh, lunch with him at Popeye's Chicken, you know, before they came out with the chicken sandwiches, right? And so we were there talking uh, right across from Andrews Air Force Base on Allentown Road. And we, 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 we had a great time talking and laughing with one another. And then I said, hey, man, I'll talk to you later. I went to turn my equipment in at the barrack and as I went to the barrack um, um, my wife she says uh, she told me you, you, you're not going to like this I said like what what's going on you know bad news you know and she said uh, you, you're not going to like it because my friend and I we just played pool together we just got finished eating together that fast his life was taken and I'm looking at the news and Raymond Armstead was responding to a collision and he hit the back of a van at 105 miles per hour. They measured the skid marks and it was actually at 105 miles per hour that he laid down the tire tread and broke his neck backwards. And he was over. And it was that day that I remember I never shared anything with him about Christ. 
just through my life. Sometimes that can be enough, but we got to use words too. Amen. We have to use words as well. Amen. And, And so we don't have a lot of time. I know we get comfortable, but we don't have a lot of time. We really don't have a lot of time. I know we have heard about Kobe and his daughter and things like that. And, and then before that, some other folks that, that are very prominent and, and then people on a daily basis in our own families, right? That we don't have a lot of time. And so, but sadly, the church has fallen asleep. The church has fallen asleep. I know pastor alluded to, hey, you know, rebuking a sleep demon. My thing is, let's just do what Jesus did. Just let him stay asleep. That's what he did. I'm not lying to you. He sat up and said, will you not pray for me for one hour? And guess what they did? He said, I'll just go ahead and stay asleep. (laughs) He wasn't going to argue with them. He knew that they didn't get up and pray around 3 o'clock in the morning like he did. But yet they still followed him. But yet the church has fallen asleep. The church has been seduced by the God of this world. The church, we have fallen for the spike Kool-Aid. Or as Eddie Murphy would say, the banana in a tailpipe. In Matthew 13, 24, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, somebody said men slept. Mm. His enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. The enemy has sown tares of anger, hate, and suicide in our teenagers. The Generation X and the Generation, the Gen Z generation, who are being bullied and, and all of these other things and messing with these drugs, and, 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 and it's happening, family, right before our face. The enemy has sown tears of competition and worldliness and greed into the fivefold ministry. The enemy has sown tears of foolishness in our government and he went his way. We blame stuff on the government. We blame stuff on both sides. The Democrat, Republican, man, it's bigger than that. The church should be ashamed and taking sides. The enemy has sown tears of foolishness in our government. The enemy has sown tears of disunity in godly marriages, and he went his way. Why is that? Because men and women of God have fell asleep. We know what happened with Pearl Harbor, don't we? Watch it every year. Honor, we got to watch Pearl Harbor. Anybody remember what happened at Pearl Harbor? If you don't know, I'm going to give you a little synopsis. The attack of Pearl Harbor took place December the 7th, 1941. On a Sunday, Sunday morning. What morning? Yeah. You heard what Pastor said? It's hard to get up that morning. Want to rest. A lot of troops were on R&R. It's called rest and relaxation. Resting a little bit too long. How many of y'all know this? That the enemy don't rest. Thank God he can't be everywhere at the same time, right? 
But he doesn't take a rest. He doesn't take a rest. So on that Sunday morning, a minimum uh, 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 contingent of soldiers, a minimal contingent of soldiers was on duty at the time. And most officers, officers on base were closed and many servicemen were on leave R&R for the weekend. New technology, including the new radar mounted on the uh, Opana point, uh, were, were in place at the time, manned and functioning at the time of the attack. But the incoming Japanese attack planes were detected by the radar and reported, but were mistaken for an incoming group of American planes. Due to, uh, d- from the mainland uh, that morning, while on, while on practice maneuvers outside the harbor that morning, an American destroyer spotted a Japanese submarine attempting to sneak in the harbor. The submarine was fired upon immediately, but the report was ignored. They fell asleep. We fell asleep, family. Here's a warning. Our Lord warns us in Matthew 24. Take heed. Take heed. Let no one deceive you. He tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8 to be vigilant, right? And be sober. Why? For the devil, our adversary, walks about seeking whom he may, what? Devour. The men must awaken from their sleep. We had 24-hour guard duty. Now, who, I know there's got to be some other soldiers in this room. So, Johnny, I know Johnny was in the military. Johnny was in the military. Any other soldiers in here? No former soldiers in here? It's okay if you weren't. Amen. You're a foot soldier for Christ. Amen. That's what it's all about. Uh, but we had 24-hour guard duty. Somebody had to stay up and be watchful. Man, somebody had to be up watching. Somebody had to guard the doors. Somebody have to be watching at all times. And so over my last 25, almost 30 years uh, of being in military police department, I get very, very little sleep. Because I I sleep light. (laughs) I really do. I sleep light. And I paid for it one day. I drove off the... I drove off the highway in my police car. And uh, I said, I need to stop doing that. I said that to myself in the police car after I ran off. I didn't hit anything, right? I was okay. But I said, I need to stop doing that. My God. I was getting enough sleep. I was saying, come on, how many of y'all know you need to talk to yourself sometime? Amen, amen. I had to tell myself that. Man, wake up. And then I, I went to the barrack and I went to sleep. Amen. So. But we had 24-hour guard duty. We had, to guard the, we had to guard duty in the state police academy. We had to sit up all night. We were, we were guarding gates and doors, and we were guarding all types of stuff. I, when I worked in the prison, I used to guard inmates. I used to make sure they didn't escape when I worked as a prison guard. Amen? And so we had to guard a lot of different things. And so the same way we had to guard a physical door, we have to also guard our minds the same way. You know, Fort Knox has a very sophisticated system, unlike any other system in the world. They have the gold reserve there, right? 
And so they have something in the satellite where the, if your vehicle is driving towards Fort Knox, Kentucky, towards a gold reserve, man, they can figure out your color of skin. They can tell you how fast you're driving towards it. They can tell you what color the vehicle is. They can tell you how many occupants are inside your vehicle. They can tell everything. Amen. How many of y'all know we need to have that same radar system? Amen. Come on. We need to have a GPS, that God positional system. Amen. That way we can see what's coming, right? Didn't he tell us to guard our hearts with all diligence, right? For out of our heart flows the what? The issues of life. We have to guard, guard, guard. God asked Cain a question. Why are you angry, Cain? Why has your countenance fallen, Cain? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door of your thinking sin lies at the door of my thinking you see I'm going to share a story with you because this is a true story because I watched my mother get abused really bad by my father and inside of every little boy there's a man in there there's a protector in there there's a father in there and the father means protector And I couldn't do anything while my mother was being pounded on. And as I got older, the first time I ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to me was when my father came to see me. And of course, in my flesh, I said to myself, I'm going to take his life right now. And my father knocked on the door and he said, So I was building myself up on the side of the door. I said, who is this? Who is this? And I was crying. I was mad. How many of y'all know I held that thing for a long time? Years of anger. I know y'all don't have that issue. But I did. I didn't brush my teeth that morning. You know you're in trouble. Right? I had my gun on my side. And I had my robe on. I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish this. And guess what? First time I ever heard God speak to me. As God is my witness. Don't do it. Don't do it. He kept knocking at the door. I was like, what is wrong with him? He's knocking at the door. Don't he know what I want to do to him? He stayed at the door knocking. I went in the bathroom and wiped my face off. And I put my gun in my drawer and I locked it. And I came back out. And I opened the door. And I said, hey, Dad, how you doing? He said, everything all right, son? I said, yeah, I'm good. But then he had his little son right there who was just one years old. What if I didn't listen? What if I didn't listen? You understand? We have to listen to the voice of God. Amen? God says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. 
So we're going to go right into asking. The first one was being watchful. Amen. Now we're talking about asking God. Before we go to war, we need to ask God for a strategy. Would you agree? How many of y'all know we need to ask God for a strategy? For a way in and a way out. Amen? For a way in and a way out. Every military troop has a chaplain. I was a chaplain for a troop in Charlotte for eight years. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department. It was a wonderful... In fact, Johnny... (laughs) Pastor Johnny... uh, did some other work with the, the police department. I didn't know how closely we were connected, man. That was funny. <laughs> and so I am so grateful to God. So before we go into war, we must ask God for a strategy. How many of you know we need to pray? Yes, yes, yes. We must consult wise counsel before engaging in warfare. Proverbs 21, 6 says, for by wise counsel, you may wage your own war. And in a multitude of counsel or counselors, there is safety. How many of y'all know there is safety in a multitude of counselors? We've got to go to God and ask him for a strategy. How many of y'all know David had to talk to God and pray to God? How many of y'all know David messed up? Okay. And David learned to come before God. So David prayed seven times. He went before God seven times. Y'all see the seven times? Is it up there? In first, oh, you're good, brother. In First Samuel chapter 23, verse 2, David inquired of the Lord. Amen? To save Keilah. First Samuel 23, verse 4, David inquires of the Lord again, and David prays again because his men are fearful when God had already told him what to do. See, a lot of times when God gives us a strategy and he tells you what to do, just because the people around you are fearful, guess what? You need to go with what God told you to do and not the fear of anybody else. Amen? First Samuel 30, verse 8, David inquired of the Lord. First Samuel chapter two, verse one, David inquired of the Lord. First Samuel chapter five, second Samuel chapter five, verse 19, David inquired of the Lord. David continued to talk to God. Amen. David continued to pray to God. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 21, verse one, David inquired of the Lord. Referring to a famine that took place because of old bloodthirsty Saul. Because of one man caused a famine to hit the land. One man. Can you imagine that? One man caused a famine to go over the entire earth. Then we got to ask, Lord, Lord, is it I who stands in the need of prayer? Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven. I'll do what else? Heal their sins, forgive their sins, and then heal their land. Amen. That's a promise of God. It's his promise. How many of y'all know the next one is R. We need to ready our troops. We need to get our troops ready. The church need to get their people ready. The church need to get their soldiers ready. 
Pastor, God has called you to do that. Test them. Test them. Offend them. I believe we got a whole bunch of mature saints in here. Somebody said, why would you offend them? Jesus offended his disciples. And guess what? Twelve stayed. The other ones didn't follow. John chapter 6. He said they were offended. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, Lord, that's a hard word. And they never followed him again. How you like that? You got the, you got, you pray pastor, call them, choose them. And as the Lord give them to you, give them small details. And man, you got to, I'm telling you, God is going to do an amazing thing here. I'm telling you, he's going to do an amazing thing. And so Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Luke chapter, (coughs) excuse me. Come on, let's read this together. (coughs) Hold on one second, hold on one second. One, two, three, let's read. Then he said. Did he say take up your cross every other week? Did he say take up your cross on Wednesdays and Sundays? Did he say take up your cross just on Monday through Friday? Nope. He said take up your cross daily. You know why? Because Jesus had his disciples 24-7, seven days a week, 24-7, seven days a week for three years straight. Mm. He was with them. They were with him. He trained them. He taught them. He cried with them. He got frustrated with them. He rebuked them. He loved them. He tested them. He prayed. As Jesus got up, you remember the man you were talking about, who the father brought his son to them, who had a spirit of divination, a spirit on him. And the the, the man brought the disciples, I mean, brought the the son to the disciples first and the disciples couldn't do anything. And this is what I believe Jesus was. I believe Jesus was over in the corner like this. I believe he was over here like this. Let me see what they're going to (laughs) do. Let me me, me see how they're going to work this thing out. And they probably over there, you know, Luke. All them, somebody was probably praying in tongues and. You know, somebody else was probably, uh, somebody over here was doing this and doing that, and ain't nothing happening. <laughs> and then, all of a sudden, now Jesus had to come over there <laughs> and say, no, nah, that thing ain't working for them, because I noticed there's something that they ain't doing. Amen? So here comes Jesus over there, right? <laughs> he walks on over there and says, hey, hey, what's hey Lord, I, I, I took my son to your, your disciples, and, 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 and they couldn't cast him out. Oh, Lord. You don't think Jesus got frustrated with his disciples? I promise you, the pastor here going to get frustrated with some people. In fact, Jesus said, how long shall I be with you? I don't know what his body language was. How long shall I be with you? Nobody said it. Okay. But he was frustrated. And then he said, hold on a second, hold on a second. A quick evaluation. Ah. I've been fasting and praying. Be healed. Little boy was healed. The disciple said, hey, how come we couldn't do that? He said, you've been doing one thing, not both. 
He said, you only been praying. He said, you gonna have to turn your plate down for this one. <laughs> he says, you gonna have to pray and turn down your plate, right? He says, you gonna have this one can only come out by praying and fasting. Come on, somebody. Let's give God praise for that. You can only certain things can only come out by fasting and praying. There's some things that you have to give up. Come on. This means war. We're talking about warfare. We must train the men and women of God to fight a spiritual battle. I can teach you how to ground fight. I can teach you how to kickbox. I can teach you how to do all of that stuff. It's quite natural for me. Okay? But to fight a spiritual battle? Oh, man. You hear what Pastor Johnny said? The first part of that is sacrificing. You want to be like Jesus? Get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, every morning. Every morning. Some of y'all fell asleep when I just said that. You're like, it's a sacrifice. You ain't got to tell nobody what you're doing. They'll be able to see it in your life because that's exactly what happened with Christ. They saw him and they said, my God, he healed a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 straight years, carrying a rag around for years. Could nobody else do anything for her, but he did. But he did. We've got to train them. Pastor, you got to make them do something. Got to make you do it. Jesus said, get in the boat and go to the other side. He didn't ask them. He warned them in the beginning. Listen, if you're going to follow after me, you're going to do three things, partner. You're going to deny you. You're going to deny yourself. Deny what you already know. Deny that you were ever a fisherman. Deny your education. Deny all of those different things. Take up your cross. Your cross is not sitting in a lazy boy chair. Your cross is not, you know, relaxing and in comfort or whatever the case may be. I'm going to stretch you. And anything that is stretched can never be returned to its original form. I'm going to stretch you. It's what God wants to do. He said, give it up. All of it. Follow me. And then Paul said it. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And if I'm not imitating Christ, then don't ever follow me. I'm going to look you right in your eye. Don't you ever follow. And so that means that the pastor's got to be teaching the word. He's got to be teaching everything that Christ commanded us to do and his teachings. So that you won't be ignorant. And you will know. How many of y'all know that you shall know the truth? And the truth that we know will make us free. Truth doesn't make you free. Did you hear what I said? Truth doesn't make you free. I'm going to say it again. Did you hear what I said? Truth doesn't make you free. Knowing the truth is what sets us free. Being intimate with the truth is what sets us free. And you shall know the truth. And the truth that we know is what makes us free. Amen? God has called the church to be fruitful and multiply. He's called the church to do that.
We need more Christ-like influences in the body of Christ. We need more Christ-like influences in the marketplace. We need more Christ-like influence. How many of y'all know that leadership is simply influence? Influence is leadership. Leadership is influence. Influence is leadership. Some people can use it in the wrong way, right? Okay, we've seen it. Okay? You have to know the difference. Amen? And so... Uh, so we need more Christ-like influences in the, in the leadership that reproduces others. Amen. John Craig said this, no matter how much work you can do, no matter how engaging your personality may be, you will not advance far in your business or church business if you cannot work through other people. Forget about it. So I want to run over here because she's nice. I want to go over here because she's nice. Amen. I wait to God work on their hearts. Then I'll work with them later. Amen. No, no. Did you know, family, did you know this? That 85% of leaders attract followers. This is what I know. Man, I don't want a lot of followers. <laughs> I want some leaders. I'm going to show you something. 85% of leaders attract followers. 10% of those leaders attract other leaders. Just 10%. 5% of those leaders reproduce other leaders. Only 5% reproduce other leaders. Only 5%. Reproduce other leaders. How many of y'all know we don't need any more Pop-Tart leaders? Here's a leader. You ready? I'm ready to preach now. I just showed you a toaster. Isn't that cool? Nobody's clapping, amen. I just popped in and have a toaster. All right, y'all remember? All right. How many of y'all know we need more crock pot leaders? Amen. Have you ever made anything in a crock pot? Has anybody here made anything in a crock pot besides myself? Amen. Have you ever had lasagna in a crock pot? It tastes better than the lasagna that you put in the oven. Why? Because it sat for a period of time. And all of the things that God was working in that thing, all of those spices, come on. When they came together, oh my God, it made the best. See? Forget about the Pop-Tart leaders. Work with the crock pot. We've all got to simmer, amen? How many of you know God's still working on me? I'm still simmering in his crock pot. It gets hot sometimes. I don't like it. Sometimes I have to stay put. Be crying, saying, Lord, let me out. He said, no, not yet. No, not yet. No, not yet. I can't let you out yet. You ain't ready yet. Nope. You got to simmer just a little bit longer. Nope. Nope. Lord, but, but it's hot in here. I know. I know. Yeah. You don't think God's speaking? Mm. 
How can I reproduce leaders? You have to have a want-to spirit to be able to reproduce leaders. A can-do spirit speaks of your ability. Can speaks of your ability. A want-to is a desire. So guess what? I want to. Yeah, a whole lot of people who say I can means nothing. A want-to spirit. My pastor was a captain in the military. My first pastor. And man, was he hard on us. He trained us. I mean, went deacon. He had this cleaning the floors and the carpet. I was like, man, is this what this is all about? I'm just giving you some inside stuff, okay? Is that what this is all about? I got a job. You know, I got work. And I'm in a church doing work. And I got a job. And he ain't even paying me. Right? Anybody ever had that feeling? Pastor not even paying me. I didn't know how the thing was going to work out. I didn't know. I'm talking to being natural with you. Now. I didn't know how it was going to work out. Only thing I know is I'm cleaning the floor. The pastor trying to save some money. Okay. And it worked. We had a nice shampoo and it worked. Every Sunday, the church smelled good. Every Wednesday, the church was smelling good. The pews were smelling good. Right. Yeah. And, 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 but yet God was working some things out and I had no idea what he was doing. But my pastor was hard. He said, listen, my first my first message that I ever preached was in an elderly home. It was an elderly home. When they were clawing at me, watch this. That's why I can sit here with confidence in God to be able to stand here and look at you guys. Because I had one lady looking at me like this. She was doing this to me. Right? I said, Jesus. And the pastor told me to go down. He said, Thomas, give him this devotion. And I said, okay. He knew I would go. And I never asked him any questions. You know, I never said, well, pastor, how do I do this? He said, well, you see me do it. I just need you to go down to the elbow home. Then another lady was so disinterested. She, she was like this. I was like, she don't even want to listen. I was like, she don't even want to listen. But then another lady was over here smiling. She showed me all her teeth. Then another lady over here was talking to herself. And then another guy was over here scratching. Let me tell you something. I came back that week and I said, <laughs> I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, that was the best training that you could have ever given me. I understood why I went now. <laughs> Because I can stand up before millions of people and share God's word and his truth. It doesn't make a difference where I go, amen? <laughs> she said, but it was the best training. But he made me do things. He put me in positions that were uncomfortable. But he knew I would go. Because if the military told me to go and I didn't say anything, if the state police said I need you to go here and I wouldn't say anything, and these are men. But when God told me to go somewhere, why wouldn't I go? Come on, family. How can I reproduce other leaders? We have to model good leadership. We have to provide leadership training. We have to provide leadership resources for the people. Amen. We have to provide leadership experiences. 
We have to create growth, a growth environment in a position where you can grow, right? Tell you something funny. I think it was funny. You may not think it was funny, but well, here we go. I raised red belly piranhas. Anybody ever raised fish? Perhaps y'all had guppies. I don't know. Maybe you had goldfish. I had red belly piranhas, okay? Right? Now, I saw it in there, and it was that small. And as it, it didn't have any red on the side. He said, when you take it home, put it in the bowl, it should grow. I took it home after three weeks. I said, man, this thing is deformed. Something's wrong with this fish. I took it back to him. I said, listen, give me my money back because this, this, this fish ain't growing. He said, well, what's the problem? He said, well, I said, you said the fish will grow and I will see his teeth and then I will see the red belly on the side, so on, so and, and he said, well, what type of bowl do you have it in? And he said, and I said, this bowl right here, he said, that's the problem. It's in a smaller bowl. It needs to be in a bigger bowl so that it can grow. Amen. Come on. How many of y'all know we need to even put a fish just like the fish need to be in a what? A growth environment. So we also need to be in a, a growth environment so that we can grow. If you're the smartest one in the room, you need to get out of that room. I'm just saying. Because I can't grow. Somebody say we need to upgrade. Uh-huh. We need to get out of that room and go into a different room so that I can grow. Amen. If you're the smartest one in that room, go to the other room and ask to be transferred so that you can now be stretched. You can be stretched. I told you God wants to stretch the church. Amen. Look at these growth environments. You ready? Here's a growth environment where other people are ahead of you. I just mentioned that. When other people are ahead of you and you're willing to step into that class and not worry about people calling you stupid, dumb, or anything like that, and I'm willing to be stretched, I don't care what you call me, man. I'm gonna get, listen, you can't distract me. I don't care what you say. I'm getting what I need to get. You know, I know I may be a little slower than you, but I'm going to get there. Amen. Listen. I want to be in a growth environment. I want to learn. I want to know. Number two, you are still challenged. A growth environment is where you're still challenged. Come on. This is why every church, every church of God, I don't care what denomination it is. You should be stretching men. You should be stretching the men. You should be stretching, stretching, stretching the men. They should feel it. Some of them need to just quit, right? And not because you don't care for them pastor not because you don't love them listen they just stretch it man i can't do this no more you know and then you may have to give them an application and explain to them you know where they are and why they're there and why you're doing what you're doing amen you focus your focus is always forward your focus is always forward and not behind amen this is good family i'm telling you this is good stuff you can take it back to work, and I promise you, they'll love you for this. Here's the other one. Number four is the atmosphere is affirming. How many of y'all know we need to be in an affirming environment? Why would I want to be in an environment if I'm not being affirmed? Man, good job. I took this young boy. I'm a firearms instructor for the NRA, okay? And I was a firearms instructor for the Maryland State Police. So I took this little 10-year-old boy, friend of mine, who owns a real estate company in Charlotte. He has a 10-year-old boy. He said, Thomas, uh, can, you, can you come and teach my son these principles? I said, okay, no problem. Um, can you teach him how to you know, shoot his handgun? I said, no big deal. I said, name a time and a place. Boom, next week. 
I was on it. Took him up to the range. I showed him the different principles. And all of a sudden, I took him through a 30-minute class and told him about the different stance, stance, grip, sight, picture, sight alignment, trigger control, breathing, and follow through. Amen? Uh, and this little boy picked up on everything that I said. And he began to hit the target every time. He hit it every time, and I'm watching him. So when a person is shooting, I'm right here, right at their cheek. I'm right next to them. Just in case I need to grab the gun, you know, just in case they drop it or anything like that. But he did everything that I told him to do, and he hit the target. And so when he hit his first two bullseyes, right in the middle, I said, go ahead and put your gun down, lay it down on the side, take your finger off the trigger, lay it on the side. And he said, did I do something wrong? I said, don't take your ears off because they're still shooting. And I said, uh, why his father was right there? I said, look at me. That is the best shooting that I've ever seen from a 10-year-old. I said, oh, my God. I said, give me a high five. And he was like, come on. Was that an affirming environment? Yes. The boys felt so confident. He said, I didn't want to shoot my dad's gun. He ended up shooting my gun, his gun, and his dad's gun. And I said, he, I showed him that basic principles. And he listened. I was a 10-year-old. And back in Maryland, I used to teach women how to shoot and protect themselves because they were being beat up on Fridays and killed on Saturdays. When their husbands got drunk or other people got drunk. So the state police assigned me to help these group of women as a PR type thing. Amen. So we have to make sure the atmosphere is affirming. You affirm them, I promise you, their production will go through the roof. Whether it be in the ministry or anywhere else. If you don't affirm them, surely they're going to be on their way out the door. I know they shouldn't have to have that affirming. No, just be intentional about affirming them. Amen. You are out of your comfort zone. Amen. Watch this. Now, there it is. That's the other environment, the growth environment. Ready? That means you are out of your comfort zone. How many of y'all know Jesus made sure his disciples were out of their comfort zone? Pastor told you about Peter. Was that out of his comfort zone? He was out of his comfort zone. Amen. You wake up excited. How many of y'all ever wake up excited at work? <laughs> Perhaps you're not being affirmed. Perhaps you're not being stretched. Failure is not feared. Others are growing. There's a willingness to change. Growth is modeled and expected. How many of y'all know we need to inspect what we expect? Yeah, we need to inspect what we expect. You, 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 if you expect your son to do something, if you gave them some instructions, guess what? Now you need to inspect it. It's not that you don't trust them, but you need to let them know, hey, you have accountability here. How many of y'all know we all need to be accountable? If you don't think you need to be accountable, you're in trouble. Come on, the next one is fearless. How many of y'all know we need to be fearless in the body of Christ? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I believe if we feed our faith, and your fears will starve to death. 
Feed your faith and your fears will starve to death. How many of y'all know faith comes by hearing? Hearing the word of God. How many of y'all know we need to get into that word daily? Day and night. Isn't that what it says in Joshua? Joshua 1a says what? You shall what? Meditate on this what? When? How long? Day and night. Day and night. I promise you, you build your faith up, you'll starve your fears. I will starve my fears. Amen. We all have some form of fear. We'll starve it if we build up our faith together. Amen. Before going into battle, we must be fearless. Can't be fearful. Jesus walked up on a man who was walking in and out of a tomb. Anybody remember that story? He walks up, he gets out of the boat. It was, right, it was right after he calmed the storm, after he rebuked the wind and the waves. Really, he rebuked the, the prince of the power of the air. He rebuked the devil. And he started walking towards that man, jumping in and out of tomb. <laughs> right? Acting like a fool. Y'all know you met some people like that, okay? So here it is. He's jumping in and out of tombs, and yet, watch this. Jesus started walking towards the man with authority. And he started to speak to the man. The man didn't speak. The demons began to speak to him. And he said, thou son of David, have you come to destroy us before our time? Even they know that they have a short time. <laughs> thou son of David, have you come to destroy us before our time? And he said what to them? Silence. Be quiet. And did what? Cast him into the swine. The swine ran over and drowned themselves to death because you can't drown a spirit. Even they need bodies. Pastor Johnny said it. And that's why that spirit hovered over that region. And that's why you have regions of demons in certain places around this world that are more prevalent than others. Amen. Regions of demons. But guess what? The beautiful part about that story is that that man went to serve Jesus. We don't need to be fearful. I had a brother tell me, he said, man, I said, man, where, where were you at? You were hiding back in the, in the back row for a long time. I wanted to go see him preach. <laughs> and I said, well, where, where, where are you? He said, man, I, I, I don't know him to come out and touch the people. That's what he said. And then I said, what you fearful of? He said, no, no, my, my, my pastor trained me to do that. He said, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. The people that came to visit you could have went to probably a past or a thousand other buildings or churches. I call some of these places 501c3s. That's it. I just call I just call some of these places institutions. You can't don't don't tell me it's a church. I know the difference. I know the difference. And so he said, man, that's, that's good. And I said, it's okay, brother. I loved him, and he received that. I didn't rebuke him. 
right? He knew that I loved him, and he knew that I have his best interest. But I just asked him, I said, man, where were you at? You everybody out here praising God, and I don't want to touch the people. And I'm like, come out there and pray with them. What are they going to do, bite you? You, sh- you afraid a spirit going to jump up on you? You mean to get out of this business. Get out of the kingdom, man, and go to Popeye's. They got a lot of action going on there. I'm just saying. The sandwich is good, but they got some other stuff going on. Thank you, Jesus. Here's some men that had to be trained. Abraham trained his 318 men, and he had no fear. Uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and that bad Negro, they had no fear. Amen. Daniel had no fear. Amen. David versus Goliath, he had no fear. I know y'all still laughing about the bad Negro, right? Uh, A Hispanic friend of mine, he said, no, 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 no. That's wrong, Papi. He said, it's Meshach, Shadrach, and that bad amigo. And I said, you got me with that one, bro. You got me with that one. (laughs) But they had to train these men. And when we're training them, we have to have the right attitude. Here we go. Attitude. Amen. We have to have the right attitude. Can somebody read Second uh, 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 Kings chapter 13, 14 through 20? This is this is important here. But this is what I do. I train. I train. I train. I'm an officer survival instructor. I mean, I teach you how to survive. I can survive out in the woods. My my, my training in the military was a scout. If anybody know what a scout is, that means that. I had to go spy out the land. Remember the spies in the Bible? It's the first thing I fell in love with. That story, because that's what I did. And sometimes we had to crawl undetected to get to certain places, right? Come on, we had we had to get out and crawl, man. Right? We had to crawl. And then at times, we had to lay still. You got to be disciplined not to move. Right? As a scout, that was a tough job. I said, why did I choose this? Right? Sometimes it had to be three, four, five football fields long. How many, how many yards is that? 500 yards of area that we had to sometimes crawl we had to low crawl, we had to walk, uh, but we had to be undetected, spy out the land and bring a report back to our commanders so we can come up with a strategy on how to deal with the enemy out in the land. Amen? So we have to have the right attitude. Are you there, Second Kings? Second Kings. Oh, this is good. Here we go. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he had died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him, and he went and he wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow. Isn't that awesome? The leader knows he's dying and he's still training. The leader is dying. 
and he's still training. He said, get a bow and get some arrows. And he did. Take the bow in your hand. Right? Give me a man up here. I don't care who it is. Hey, there you go. Because you got to watch this. And this is just how we do it, man. Because you got what, like a commander calls, right? You have to be excited. It's not about me trying to show preeminence over someone, right? No, because I have an idea where we're going with this, right? And so, like, when you're called, right? So, like, the pastor calls you. You got to be like, hey, pastor, here I am. What you need, pastor? I'm serious. This is how I was with my pastor. And when he sent us out to go plant another church, he said, Thomas, when you left, I lost five men. Y'all get that in a minute. Right? Sure you ready? I'm ready. Hands up. Right there. No, not there. He's obedient too. I like that. I'm using a gun because I don't know how to shoot bow and arrow. Amen. <laughs> All right. So he said to himself, what? And he said, the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. He put his hands on the king's hand to actually steady the bow. You got that? Right. This is real training. Steady the bow. I want you to steady your arms. Got that? And then when you steady the bow, then what happened? Elisha said, you will completely, he said, the arrow of the victory over Aram. Elisha declared, he declared, somebody say he declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek, right? Keep going. Then he said, take some arrows, right? Take some arrows. And then the king took them. Elisha told him, what is he telling them to do? Elisha is leading him. I tell you to do something, you've got to do it. I ain't telling you to rob no bank. I'm not telling you to do anything illegal. I'm telling you exactly what to do so you can win. Why? Because I know I'm about to die. It's sort of like a dying declaration with the police department. And so here it is. Now he takes some bows, right? Okay, you can loosen it up because I want you passing out. All right. And then he struck, he, watch this. How many times did he strike the ground? How many times did he strike the ground? Three times he struck the ground, right? Right? Now, I want you to, forget, forget you got a gun now. I want you to use arrows, like you got arrows in your hand, right? You got arrows in your hand, right? Good. Now, now I want you to strike the ground three times. That don't seem pretty excited. Right? So then, then the man of God was angry with him. Right? It's not your fault. The man of God was angry with him. Why? And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram completely 
destroyed it, but now you will only defeat them three times. How many of y'all know God had insight on how many times he needed to strike the ground? Give God praise for this brother, man. Watch this. Watch this. This is what God wanted him to do. This is what Elisha wanted him to do. Elisha wanted him, he was checking out his attitude, and it is his excitement about fighting this battle, right? He wanted him to... He wanted him to get excited. Come on, somebody. And guess what? It's all about attitude. You see what I'm saying? But he hit the ground like this. That's... Bless him. Let's give God praise to my brother, man. Right? So God wants us to get excited. He wants our attitude. How many of y'all know our attitudes can determine our altitude? Our attitude's about a thing. I put my heart in passion in training. I put my heart in passion when I went out there and did everything that I was supposed to do with passion, with attitude, right? Right? With, and I probably offended a whole lot of people in the process. Amen? But guess what? You've got to train them. You've got to train them. So now, after, after that, the last thing is we have to reload. Amen? How many of y'all know we got to reload? Because once you're in a battle, guess what you have to do? Now, after battle, you've got to go back and take your magazines, right? Take your bullets, and you got to replenish. How many of y'all know you got to replenish? Why? Because you got to go back out and fight again. How many of y'all know in the body of Christ, we go out, pastor gives that good word. Come on, you fill them up, right? Because now they've been in the presence of God. Wow, and they're excited. And they've got all of that word. And then they go back out into the harvest field. And now they come back and now they're empty. Come on, they run out of bullets. How many of y'all know, here's a whole bunch of bullets right here. Y'all see that? Look at that. Yeah. That's a whole bunch of rounds. Guess what you need to do? Replenish, baby, in God's presence. Amen? We have to get into his presence and begin to replenish and reload. Somebody say reload. Reload. Come on. So we have to come to church and the fellowship so they can be downloaded in us. Amen? And once it's downloaded in us, now we go back out and fight again. Come on. Now you feel like superwoman. Now you feel like Superman, baby. Come on. Yes, Lord. Come on. Now you're like, oh, my God. I can conquer anything. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Man, look, I ain't got no fear, baby. What? What? Come on. What? Come on. What you talking about? Come on. Watch this. <laughs> I'm serious, family. We call it rest and relaxation. You see what happened at Pearl Harbor? Can we learn from people's mistakes? Let's do it. We have to reload. The worst thing that could happen to a soldier besides death or suicide is to run out of ammo. The worst thing that can happen to a Christian or a a follower of Christ is to run out of word. Hide God's word in your heart. Hide God's word in my heart that we may not sin against him. We have to hide his word in our heart. We have to hide it in the heart. Amen? We have to. Knowing during this time of rest and relaxation, guess what we need to be aware of? We must remember the enemy will attack in these four stages right here. 
I'm coming, Gwen. These four stages. You ready? Real quick. The enemy will attack. And these are not mine, okay? All of this stuff is recycled. But it's good. I follow them. Watch this. The first thing is, he, he normally attacks when we're hungry. <laughs> you don't believe me? I dare any one of you start fasting for one day. Let alone five. Watch how y'all be looking at each other. I'm going to see who's going to smile and say, oh, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Oh, God, you are blessed and highly favored. Now, your whole countenance is going to change. Like, are you being spiritual, Martha? Or are you? The second thing is, so hungry. The enemy attacked Christ in the wilderness 40 days after the 40 days and 49 fast. After. Somebody say after. Yeah, not during. Afterwards. Jesus. Angry. Moses attacked and missed the promised land. He missed the promised land because he was angry. Lonely. David started out inquiring about God. Y'all heard me. I showed you, didn't I? He started out inquiring about God, talking about God. And what do you think happened afterwards? David ended up inquiring about Bathsheba. Why did they call her Bathsheba? Because she was taking a bath. The last one is tired. How many of y'all get tired in here? Everybody in here. Even Jesus got tired. When we're tired, we all get cranky when we get tired. We all get cranky. And the last part is engage. We all have to engage. Let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 19. I'm saying 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. That brother's on it. Isn't he awesome? You're the man. So we have to engage. We've already had our rest and relaxation, right? We've already found out what the enemy does, what happens. We don't get too comfortable, right? Guess what? Now when we leave the ministry, now we've got to go back and engage the harvest field. For the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Are you the few? It's plentiful, man. There's a lot of ministry out here. God, send me the right leaders. Send me the right people. God, give me the heart to minister to the people. Give me the heart to minister to these folks who I believe are potential leaders. God, give me the heart to be able to suffer long for them. How many of y'all know <laughs> that leaders going to have to suffer long? Yeah. We must engage. Here we go. First Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to win as many as possible. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to keep going with that. Don't, don't turn it off, brother. Yeah. Ready? Let's read the last part. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself 
am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like the one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. Isn't that awesome? Come on, some more to that. To the weak, I became weak. To the win, to win the law, weak, I have become all things to all men. I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise right there. I have become all things to all men that some might be saved. I have become all things to all men that some might be saved. Sharing the gospel or not sharing the gospel. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what language you speak. It doesn't make a difference because I love whom God loves. I hate what God hates. You want to know what God hates? Check out Proverbs chapter 6 later. Amen. There's six things that God hates. And definitely one of them is disunity. Amen. He hates those who divide. Amen. He hates a lot of different things. Amen. Check it out later. Proverbs chapter 6. So I love whom God loves. And if he wants me to become all things to all men, that I will do. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give God praise, family.